Rolling. Renegades. Andre and I had this big idea. Nurses know how to solve shit. Renegades. And I shall be healed. Yeah, I decided I wasn't going to say that anymore. Wasn't true. I still say it. People think like that, you know, you should have more self-worth. No, it's like, I like saying that line. I'm not worthy to receive you because then there's always somewhere to go. (laughs) (laughs) Good to see you. You too. Antra was just asking me, have you met Barbara? I'm like, yeah, lots of times. Yeah. When? When? I can't remember. Well, when you were a student in Supercoach, what year was that? uh, 16 and 18. Yeah. So I think as 16, I was co-teaching the advanced course with Michael. And then you did that course with all those, with Monica, with Barb. Yes, exactly. And I had a severe case of FOMO that whole time because so many (laughs) of my close friends were doing it. It was amazing. It was a really special group. Not to make you feel worse about it, but it was. I haven't spoken to you in a long time and I know more FOMO, uh, you get to see Antra. I know. Um, a lot of times in the beginning of this, these things we do, since I, I've known a little bit about your story, I've heard you speak before. And I, and, and the interesting thing about this is, as I was saying, we like to start these out with talk about something that happened to you in your life that kind of made everything different from one day to the next. I think what I would say is right around the time that I decided to leave my executive position, I was living over in Europe and I moved back to the States to start my own business. That's when I decided to hire a coach. I'd I'd been coaching both as an outside consultant, but also internally for 20 years at that point, you know, started in the mid 1990s doing it, right? So um, I thought I'm going to hire a coach. They're going to help me be smart and strategic and be my thinking partner so I can be successful. And through a series of synchronicities, um, I came across Michael Neal and so um, ended up deciding to work with Michael. And I was still living in Paris when we started, but I flew to the States and we were meeting in person for the first time. And he started talking in a way that I could feel he was talking about something, but he wasn't kind of just saying what, whatever it was, you know? And so at one point I said to him, I said, what are you talking about? I said, I can tell you're talking about something. What are you talking about? And, um, and he said, he then at that time began to introduce me to what I like to think of in, is kind of two in two ways. One is a deeper understanding of the role our mind has and our ability to access creativity, potential, and well-being. There was a relationship to our mind that I, I, you know, I've been teaching personal, professional, leadership development, cultural, organizational development my whole career at this point, 25 plus years. So I had been lucky enough to be exposed to a lot of different thought leaders and both as student and then both training and sharing. So, but he was speaking to a depth of understanding around the mind that was new for me because I had it previously in the context of like positive thinking, 
you don't want to be negative. You know, like I had enough awareness around that, that I knew being negative wasn't a good idea, but I still thought, I I still thought I had to control all my mind and my thinking. Right. So, but he was saying something different. So that was the first thing. But the other thing that was happening was in this direction, there is also an understanding of who we are at our essential nature that in a very can sound profound, but it's also a really practical, everyday, natural, ordinary kind of way. Every single one of us comes into this world connected to and living within this kind of deeper nature. And we all have experiences of it. You know, those times when there's chaos or crisis, and yet we, we find our bearings, we have a clarity, we know what to do. Or those times in deep loss when we're able to just connect to people, whether they're with us in person or far away, but we feel them, we love them. You know, like we've all had those kinds of experiences. I had just written them off as sort of the fun and really interested in the kind of spiritual nature of life, but it was more like phenomenon to me. Mm-hmm. And yet, When I started to look in this direction of, oh, wait, no, it's a part of how we're hardwired. There was something really practical and profound that merged for me that took all my previous work around how do you bring your best self to whatever you're up to and simplified it. It, it, Rather than being all these different lanes that I had to manage and look at and navigate and heal and overcome, all of a sudden, there was this simplicity that that came with this that was so transformative. Like literally, it changed the trajectory of my work and my life. It was a before and after for sure. Mm. So then began my own journey and deepening my understanding of the role of mind and this my own relationship to this essential nature that we have within. What does that mean outside of dogma? What does that mean outside of kind of what we've called spirituality? It's like, I didn't even want to use that word because my mind gets filled with all these ideas. And I knew I, I was hearing something fresh. And so it required that I look at it with a fresh eye and not look at what I knew, but began to have more of an experiential knowing of that deeper essential nature within. And so over the last 12 years now, um, it has literally shaped the way I work with people, where I point people. It has shaped the way I move in my business, how I do my business, how I live my life. There is no place that it has not had its effect in a really wonderful way. Now, can you both... Can you yeah. talk about a before and after example for you know people who listen yeah, to this? Yeah, absolutely. Because it all it, it 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 sounds like truth. I mean, every time yeah. I hear it again, it's yeah. like you kind of just no, I get it. I, I love that question. Yeah, yeah. But, but really quickly, Barb, when you say mind, what does that yeah. mean to people? Yeah. I don't know that everyone listening, especially nurses, know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So first of all, what I would say in a simple way is. We have an internal climate, you know, like, and we all have a sense of this times when we're more distracted or present times when we're more sped up 
busy-minded, rushed, irritated in times when we feel a little bit more neutral. Times when I'm overthinking something, raise your hand if you relate, right? You know, like I am just like (laughs) going to town. And as I overthink it, it just creates more confusion, right? Those are all examples of, we have an internal landscape. We have this climate and it's being shaped both by kind of where our thinking is in the moment and where our level of clarity, where our mood is in the moment. It's like those two things come together and create this internal climate. Well, what I didn't appreciate is that climate is having a moment-to-moment impact on how I see myself, how I see the world, how I see what's possible, how I see you, what I think about you, right? Like I started to see like this internal climate is fluid. That's true. It's, it's not, it's not fixed, but it's also shaping my ideas and how I view you and how I view myself. So all of a sudden where before I would have had a low thought, like, you know, we were teasing um, kind of at the beginning of this thing about, you know, worthiness. Well, Prior to looking at what we're talking about, I would have looked at worthiness as a psychological issue that needed to be healed. And the only way we could feel worthy is if we healed our past and everything that ever happened. If we, you know, loved ourselves fully at all times, you know, like I had so much on worthiness. I thought it was worthwhile to pursue it. (laughs) You know, I thought it was a good thing. But I didn't understand that worthiness comes and goes like, and it's happening via thought. It's, you know, some moments I'm not on my mind at all. So I don't, why would I, there is no worthiness issue. Other moments I have an insecure thought and it looks like I have a worthiness issue. Right. So, but by just realizing, oh, every experience isn't fixed. It's just moving through me it created some distance in myself in a really nice way. It created spaciousness from all these ideas I had about who I was, what I was good at, what I wasn't good at, what my issues were, what my, you know, lack of commitment, you know, and to give you an example of the before and after, one of the insights I had early on was realizing that I, I, um, I've been a big self-helper, obviously in the work I do, it's, you know, improve myself so I can help improve everyone else. And I realized that um, I had a lot of labels like, oh, I'm inconsistent. I'm not disciplined. Oh, I must have an issue because, you know, I've never been able to get exercise right. Oh, you know, food right. Like I just had all these ways in which I was looking to my behavior and labeling myself right? Looking to my inner feeling and then making labels. So one day I was thinking about this idea that when I try and say, I'm not disciplined, the only way I could be saying that is if I was looking at my past. It's the only way I would say that. If I say I have a self-worth issue, It can only be because I'm referencing the past. If I say I don't like spinach, how would I know except via memory? 
all of those I started to see were me looking at my past, trying to decide what was possible for myself in this moment or in my future. I realized that I had the past and potential collapsed on each other. So when I started to realize, oh, I'm looking behind me to decide what's possible, I could see in that moment of clarity how ridiculous that was. You know, understandable, but I'm like, yeah, I keep bringing up memory to decide what's possible for me. Yeah. And not only that, everybody else's memories too. Like what people, what cultures say is possible or what you're capable of. That's all based on I love that. Other people's past memories. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So you start, I just started to see potential and possibility is in the moment. And so just separating those two things has saved me. Now, it doesn't mean I still don't get caught up in, man, what's up with you? Can't you commit to exercise? Like what's wrong? You know, I'm not, I'm human. But ultimately, at some point, I really know that looking to my past is not informing me about my potential or what's possible in the future. I'm curious, though, about like, you know, there's so much right now in the world of PTSD, and now they have the complex PTSD, and, you know, all of that is past trauma, right? Yes. So, and especially in the nursing world, it's all we talk about burnout, stress. So, yeah. how, how do you, how would you talk about like the separate, I guess, separating that because the common thread is get through your trauma, figure yeah. out your trauma, right? Right, right. And what you're saying sounds totally opposite and different yeah. than yeah. what that. Yeah, no, I love that question because um, sometimes people will hear this and sort of jump to the conclusion that we're saying bad things didn't happen, you know, or that as a human, we have pain and we have feelings and um, that at times those feelings move through us and overtake, right? You know, so all of those things are a part of our humanity and a part of being human. I think the mistake is when we've decided because of something, we are doomed for the rest of our life. See, when I look to my past to decide if I'm, you know, have discipline, then I have a ton of evidence that shows not really. But when I realize that we have potential, that all of us live in that part of that essential nature I spoke to earlier is that we sit in this creative potential at all times. So we have the capacity to have a shift of insight inside of us. We have the capacity to have a fresh perspective of ourselves and each other. And all of us have it. We examples of when we've been looking at something and it looked one way. And then at some point we see a new potential or a new, that's it. That's what I, in a very simple way, we all have within us moments of clarity, moments when we go beyond thought and tap into something richer, right? Moments when we feel hopeful. And it's that capacity that I'm talking about that gets underestimated, or we just haven't talked about it enough or looked at it enough. 
So with PTSD, what I've seen is when people understand that part of what's happening to them is memory coming through them and the nervous system gets activated, of course. So what makes sense to do in that moment is take care of yourself in whatever way occurs to you. But to know that that experience moving through you right now is not predicting your future is really powerful. You know, it's, it's like, I, um, I, I have a niece who was starting college last year and my sister said, can you talk to her? Um, she's just kind of feeling nerves. And so she's really bright, really open and fun. And we were talking and she said, yeah, well, I, I just, I don't know, like my mind is spinning around, how am I going to get from one class to the other? And I'm on the other part of the campus and I'm, you know, like, so she's kind of talking it through. And the thing that was most helpful to her in that moment was when he said, do you know that your current state of mind isn't predicting your future? It's only pointing to your current state of mind. So we all get anxious. We all experience it. And some people may feel that feeling more than others, right? But it's only pointed to what's happening in our inner climate in that moment. It's not telling us a truth about who we are, and it's not telling us our future. You just, I heard over the weekend, I went to this event and I heard something that was really profound for me. Um, He said something about life's vicissitudes, whether it's trauma, a traumatic event or challenge or, you know, whatever, without emotion is wisdom. But uh, after you were just saying what you were saying, that's not true. That's even limiting because then you have to focus on detaching from the emotion of it and work on that. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's actually, this isn't quite right yet, but it's like actually seeing those challenges, the, the emotions that come from those challenges are only momentary and don't mean anything about tomorrow. You don't have to be afraid of them because you can get caught up in that traumatic emotion and think that's going to be tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And that's going to limit you somehow. But when you detach from the fact that it means something, not the emotion itself, then it, I don't know, that's wisdom. And that's like double wisdom. That's double dipping wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) totally. Because you get to learn from what happened. You take that with you. And you also get to see that you're safe, even with the memory and the emotion. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like people begin to have an experience without the experience having them, you know, the whole thing like that. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) No, but what you're saying is true. And, and that maybe goes into your earlier question of kind of what, what, what have I seen recently that's kind of rocking my world? And in a way, I would say the last two years and being grounded literally with COVID, you know, um, because I traveled so much prior, took me to a whole new level of slowing down inside myself. And here's the thing, that was amazing, but it also had some feeling with it. You know, I met myself in those places, just to use that language for a moment. And sometimes when we meet those places in us that are more nervous, that, you know, have old thinking, old insecure thinking with it, um, it's 
not fun, but there is a grace to it. And when we do, as you're saying, Karen, when we allow ourselves and give ourselves permission to be our full human self, you know, prior to all the work I did, I I wouldn't have articulated it this way back then, but now with some more hindsight, there's a way in which all my self-help and self-improvement and leadership improvement, everything was in the realm of overcoming our humanness right? Getting more of the good stuff and not as much as the stuff we didn't like. But these last couple of years, because I had nowhere to go, literally, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, I learned to be in relationship with more of the human experience versus less, right? See, in a way, by me not giving myself permission to be just fully messy at times, I was making my world small, you know, making, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to try those things because I'll feel like an idiot. I'm not going to take that risk because I'll feel, you know, insecure. I'm not going to do this because it might make me feel um, self-conscious. Like I just had a lot of things that I started to see. I'm limiting my world, making my world small because of a feeling, because of a feeling. And yet if I understood that feelings are a part, all of us come with them. I haven't met one, a person yet that doesn't have them. You know, I haven't met a person yet or that doesn't go up and down, a person yet that doesn't experience insecure thought at some level. And so, and a person yet that hasn't experienced their own resiliency as well. So I started to see what if it was about getting good at the full range of the human experience rather than trying to control my human experience. And in that, it was this allowing of what happens if I give myself permission to feel. Because as you said, it's not the feeling in and of itself, it's the meaning I give it. And if I just allow the energy and embrace my messiness, my vulnerability, the part of me that Um, wants intimacy, the part of me that loves, the part of me that's angry and judgmental. And I don't mean, you know, I just mean like, let it move through, let it move through. What I began to experience was just like I said, just more grace, not more comfort, (laughs) (laughs) but um, there was something way more alive in it for me and my experience over these last few years of living more whole, the both and versus just trying to get my head on straight or just trying to get my life in order. Does that make it, sense? It, seem, it seems like there's a place then too in what you're describing for embodiment, because I think we spend yeah. so much time in our heads yeah. and when we talk about the whole range and being able to feel all of it. There's a, I think it's really easy for us to separate from the, the, the embodiment of being insecure or being in, you know, I think I'm going crazy or, you know, I mean, and so, and I, and I feel like that that's a part of it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and Antra, I love that word, as you know, I'm so glad you brought it into the conversation because that was the phrase that started to just naturally pop into my mind. It was like, how do I embody both my humanness and that, that deeper nature? How do I live in this body 
with the knowing and the experiential felt knowing of those things. And so part of that means that, you know, I've, I've came kind of totally hardwired and more oriented to my thinking self. And I had a lot of respect for all my thoughts and, um, you know, for the most part, they were okay. You know what I mean? But there were times where my thinking took me down some rabbit holes that were anything but helpful. But what over the last couple of years and looking at the embodiment of all of who we are, it's been amazing to, yeah, allow the feelingful nature of all of it, to allow the the times that are uncomfortable as well as the times that are blissful. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, you said that it limited, you were so limited. And what I got, I don't know. I, I, I was thinking of, you know, those peg boards, like in the gym class where you, I, I think I remember on uh, vision quest, the wrestling, <laughs> the wrestling movie where he's going up the board like that, yes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you, people think you have to get to the next run. I have to find my self-worth and then life can begin. I have to get over my trauma and then life can begin. I have to do this, but I'm so limited until I get to the next notch on the board. Instead of just going, I can take my messy trauma with me. Yeah. You know, yeah. to this lunch with a new opportunity. Like, no, 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 no. I couldn't possibly because what if I'm triggered during lunch with this person who wants to hire me or give me an opportunity, but then I'm triggered and then I make a fool of myself. Yeah. Well, what if you did? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like I, I just I loved what you were saying. I just it was like a life soup. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I love that analogy. I love first what you're saying, because that's what, you know, we put so many things between us and being okay with us. You know, like I got to be a better person. I got to have better results. I got to weigh a different amount. I got to not have panic attacks. I got to, you know, um, get out of this job. Like there's so many things we put between us and our okayness. And I didn't realize that the okayness is already there. And when I can dip in and tap into it, it gives me what I need to meet life. It gives me what I need to be resourceful. It gives me what I need to bring better, more helpful thinking and solutions to my life. I think people are afraid, I know I was, that it would mean I'd somehow become, I'd settle that what we're saying was somehow I just have to settle for everything and it's crap and I don't want to settle for crap, right? But no, I think what we're really saying is in this relationship to all of who you are, the messy and this, uh, you know, the resilient, the clear and the reactive, the allowing our humanity while also getting to know our essential nature, that thing that is beyond thought, right? Getting those two things come together in a way that are tailor-made for us in our life. So our, our ability to do those two things funds what we need to for our lives, both in really profound and practical ways. I, um, I, I think it's really interesting for me 
what I noticed about that, you know, inner resilience and essential, you know, that innate well-being was I had to get eyes for it. Like I had to see what you were saying. Like there were times when there was tragedy and grief and I showed up and I was present and I was able to love everybody through it in one of my most, you know, hot mess times. And I could, and I could look at that and be like, well, how did that happen? Right? Like I had to see that during the course of my life, there were those times when I moved gracefully through something that was really hard. And that was super helpful for me on that part of it was to get eyes for that and see the evidence in my own life. And like you said, everybody has those moments. Yeah. And so that was really helpful in the I love that. for me. Yeah, as was that and that and me too, Barb of the, you know, now taking that and embodying the whole range and not thinking that a bad feeling or a, or a busy mind meant something about what was possible in the future. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think too, it's getting an eye for it and a feel for it is just, you know, so we all have to have our own personal inquiry and relationship to it because um, it is, I was so trained to look at what's broken, to look at what's not working to, and to try and fix it. Right. You know, and I was fascinated with why something was the way it was. And then when I really started to see that's not where transformation happens, that's not where shifts of consciousness happen. That's not where moments of connection happen. I had to start, like you said, I had to get more curious. I remember one time looking out my window, thinking about my business and having this thought of what if you got as curious about that deeper nature, that part of you as you are about trying to have a good business. You know, the amount of mental bandwidth I spent on fixing and self-helping and all of that. It's like, let's just put a little bit of that. <laughs> so, so let's talk about your evolution. So prior to the, you know, in the beginning, you talked about hearing the truth and what Michael Neal yeah. was saying and how that yeah. kind of flipped everything. Yeah. So prior to that, it was self-development, self-help, push through, conquer your humanness, yeah. you know, I'll go no quit, never let them see you sweat. Um, and then it's like, okay, it's okay to be human. I see yeah. what's yeah. so important about human, but now I have to kind of, but then there was this maximizing the human potential and minimizing the humanness. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, now you're seeing something and you took that into business development and business yeah. coaching in a new way with other people. And now after COVID, yeah. you're seeing this blend of, human potential comes from humanness. Yeah. So where does that taking you or where, how has that changed that evolution and that seeing deeper done yeah. for you lately? How does that look different for you? And yeah. then what do you see for other people? Well, for me, it has meant, I'm trying to think of a new way to say it, like a, just a, in a real way, right, to say it. Yeah. But it's meant that I'm leaning more into the unknown versus um, all my good ideas 
You know, I'm, I'm willing to sit more in uncertainty because I'm trusting life in a new way. And I will say, you know, last year in particular, just to personalize it for everybody in case it's helpful, you know, I, I very clearly at the beginning of the year last year kind of got the nudge to stop doing my blog and a podcast I was doing. And then I was running this pilot and it was like, just stop it all. And at first I was like, yeah, okay, I could see that. It was like, I needed to listen for what was new that wanted to come through. And if I just kept producing, 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 I wasn't really getting slow enough to listen more deeply. And so that made sense to me. But, you know, somewhere around three months, I'm like, okay, how about now? Because my doer, right, my productive doer was like starting to get really uncomfortable. And then I would, you know, around six months, that's when, you know, all things started to go wobbly for me in a bigger way. Because I started to get worried about myself. I started to wonder if I had slipped into depression. Um, I started to, things slowed down in my business to such an extent that I was like worried if I was blowing everything. Like, had I just taken the last 10 years of my business and blown it? You know, I was having all these really insecure um thoughts that look like worth one worthwhile ones. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was, um, in a low mood for a period of time and couldn't seem to get out of it. And the only thing at that point that I knew was, okay, I know not to take my thinking so seriously. So that gave me a little bit of a cushion. It didn't take the feeling away, but it gave me a cushion. But then one day I realized, oh, I don't trust myself. I don't trust life. Now, I do, but I saw another level of where I was worried that if I had to earn it, I, you know, my old conditioning around having to earn your worth, having to earn work hard to, you know, have a good life, you know, at a whole nother level, this was just right in my face. But that insight, when I said, oh yeah, I don't trust myself. I don't trust life. When insights happen, they come with this sort of feeling and everyone I know has had it where it's like a clarity. It didn't come with a shame you know what I mean? Or any of that. It just came with a, oh, and as soon as I had that, in a way, it's like I knew, I'm like, oh, this is what I'm up to right now. Life has served me up an opportunity. It has arranged things so beautifully that I'm getting a chance to strengthen my knowing that I'm okay no matter what. I'm getting a chance to strengthen and get more rooted in that I can, can I trust Barb and can I trust life? I knew I wanted to move in the direction of yes. I'd spent my life with plan B. I'd spent my life proving and efforting so that I could, you know, I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part, right? <laughs> so in a very sort of, I don't know, clear way. It was like, okay, that's what I'm up to. So over the last six months, maybe a little longer now, I feel like what's 
coming new as a result of that is trusting that the effort, anytime I want to effort at something, it doesn't mean I don't work hard at times, but hopefully people can get a feel for what I'm saying that I've been efforting my whole life. I've been living in this low hum and not so low hum at times of push and efforting and getting it right. And so I can feel in a new way, like, oh, what's it feel like to be in my business and in my life with more trust that I can trust life, that I can trust the unfolding versus having to constantly try and unfold life, you know, it's, I'll give one example and then I'd love to hear your reflection. But I, I remember one time, um, a teacher saying to me that, you know, like I'm on the back of the sailboat and I'm blowing the wind, you know, I'm like blowing (laughs) the sails and, you know, and he's like, just get in the boat and, you know, take the sails, let the wind capture it. So in a way I'm like, that was another level of what is what's unfolding through me? How is life moving through me? What can what's possible when I surrender more into that? It's not passive, but it's less Barb's ideas and insecurities running the show and something else. Ancha just wrote something this morning. Uh, hope you don't care if I share Antra. You share all the other times that some sickness happens. <laughs> are, you, are you muted? No. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, but it made me think of that, like uh, for nurses who are sick, life is trying to, that is the unfolding. Life is unfolding and making you not well or making you feel exhausted or burnt or your kid's sick or whatever. That is the unfolding of life saying, shh, you know, it gets louder when you don't pay attention, but we don't pay attention. Oh, no, if I'm still, if I follow this unfolding of life and I'm actually still and I stay home when I'm sick, well, then my value goes down instead of, I just saw that so clearly when you were talking about it, like if we're not doing something for how long was that for like a year and a half or something like that? You said three months went by and it's like, come on, do something. And then six months, it's like, oh my gosh, it's like you're you're up against this old gestalt of if I'm not doing something, I'm not worth anything. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's such a like, um, it's so ingrained in nursing culture that that if you're not, I mean, that's why I wrote about it. Like I would never call in sick to work because they couldn't function without me. The the whole unit would fall apart, right? There's some sort of insanity in this idea that, that they can't function without me. I'm too important. A body is better than nobody. And there's no, there's never, there's never any, you just don't, that culture is so ingrained. You don't even think to not, to, you don't even think to call in. Like literally you have to be puking to say, you really want me in? I mean, I think this is shifting because of COVID, but before COVID, you just, there was no, there's no slowing down. And I do, for me, I'm seeing like just being sick for this last couple of weeks, how um, impatient I am Mm -hmm. with the slowness, you know? I mean, it's kind of, you know, I have eyes for, well, okay. I can, I can be in this. I can, you know, but it's funny to see like, oh, 
I call, I called in sick. I haven't done any work for two weeks. What does that mean about me? What, what does that mean about my life? What does that mean about my ability to get something done? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's so ingrained, you know, yeah. talk about, like you said, it's like the conditioning of work and work ethic. And that somehow we override our bodies. We override the wisdom of our bodies um, because of this misunderstanding of worth and value and contribution or, or the other thing is, is I think if we all got comfortable being uncomfortable, you know, whether that's comfortable slowing down, right. Whether it's when I'm restless rather than responding to it by getting busy, if I just see that as a temporary state and allow it to move through me, what's under that? What, what is there to see? Yeah. And that's how it works. No matter how much we condition ourselves, you know, like it's how it works. I was just, I went to dinner with this um, person, um, a new acquaintance of ours. Where was it? We went down and met in Santa Monica at a restaurant and just, you know, chit-chatting, getting to know each other. And he asked what my goals were. This is a very successful man and, you know, in his realm and what he does. And he's like, what are your goals? And I said, I don't have any. He's like, what do you mean you don't have any? I mean, you have to have goals. You don't get to where you are without having goals, right? Like you're joking. What are your goals? I'm like, well, first of all, I don't know where you think I am. (laughs) And second of all, why would I limit myself to my goals that I can come up with that are limited by what I've learned? And I'm actually seeing this as I'm speaking about it. It's not like I've, cause I do have goals. I don't mean to, <laughs> but they're, they're conditioned. But I actually said, I said, tell me about, I asked him, I said, tell me about what's, what's the most, what's the thing in your career that has just propelled you the farthest, the fastest name one thing. He's like, well, there's a couple, but that would be, and he, and he told the story of, you know, he was kind of recruited to be in this, the spokesperson for this thing. And it was just out of nowhere. I said, was that a goal? He's like, no, it just happened. And I like, give me another one. And he gave me another one. I'm like, was that because you were had a goal and all the steps to get there? And he's like, no, it just happened. And that's the wind. You're sitting in the boat and you're making goals, <laughs> right? And trying to get the thing to go. But then something happens in grace and something so much more powerful. It's actually the thing that made you. The wind kicks up and it had nothing. And that whole time you're struggling and goal making and in the boat and blowing on the sails and everything like that and exhausting yourself where that's never where it comes from in the first place. And that's, I'm not saying that because I know that or I live that. Well, maybe no, I know that. I just don't live it all the time. But none of us do. But that's, it doesn't, you said it earlier. I think it doesn't mean it's not true. And I think that's kind of the point here is if we all got more curious about that life force that animates the planets and the trees and the wind and all of that is animating us too. And without, you know, just getting on your own journey around what if I let that take the lead more than my ideas of good and bad, right and wrong? You know, I work with a lot of businesses and different um, entrepreneurs. And 
especially over the last two years, more and more people are wanting to make change. You know, they're wanting their work to feel different. They're wanting their life to be different They're, you know, and they, I hear consistently, I can't go back. I get just, I can't, I can't. And when they begin to look at how life is unfolding, including where they're nudged, what's starting to be alive in them, what they want to create. If they don't, if they get open to seeing what if all of that is that deeper wisdom, that deeper intelligence pointing them to where life is wanting them to evolve and be, we factor it in, we consider it differently. Otherwise, we just shut ourselves off because of a fear. It's not good enough. How would I make money? I can't really do that. Like all those fears are totally understandable, but people want the guarantee before they take the step. And unfortunately or fortunately, life is an unfolding. It does not work that way. There is, you know, but more and more, I think people are willing to take the step. You know, they, they want to create the work in life that has meaning across the board, this compartmentalizing like for nurses, you know, as you guys know, I have a couple family members and um, my niece Mackenzie, who loves you both. Um, you know, that idea that somehow I can overgive in this area and not pay a price somewhere else is just, it's just not true. That we are not one way at home and one way at work. We are not these compartmental, we are a human. And when we can embrace all of who we are and see that if we factor our full life in, our heart's desires, what has meaning, where we're drawn, and we can begin to just give ourselves permission to move in that direction without having it all figured out, you'll see how supported we really are, how we get what we need. And I think that's how, how, you, how we change the culture of nursing is, is what you're speaking to. I mean, your niece Mackenzie said it when she, you know, was frustrated and has a lot on her mind at work that, you know, she, she's got this thinking about what's next and should I leave and all, but when she's present and she walks into a patient's room and sits in presence with another human being that's the greatest fulfillment in nursing for her, right? Like that was such a moving moment when she said that because it was like, that's why she's a nurse, right? Mm -hmm. That's why she's called to do what she does. Not all of this other busyness, like the staffing, you know, it, it, it's, the, it's those moments. And I think um, it, it's curious to me, like how, because I think you said, you, you said when we start to get curious about, you know, the 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 possibility and the innate well-being like what is that how what's that portal in for nurses in general like i'm curious about where the potential because karen and i have had a lot of conversations with people about especially with nurses around you know loving ourselves more and and getting in touch with who we are and deserving better because we believe we deserve better um but i think that what we're speaking to is that portal in and I and I can see a lot of nurses going how yeah can I I want to just um add to what Antra just said uh same thing but it's like we're working so hard like Mackenzie you know working we've talked to another young nurse who spit herself out of the system pretty early and started helping nurses be more resilient 
<laughs> you know, with, but it's like we're trying to build resilience to remain and function better in a system that we know does not nurture <clears throat> resilience. And, you know, and there's something really important there. It's like we're trying, our wisdom is saying this is broken. And, but it is what it is. And I have to function in it. So I'm going to build my resilience so it doesn't kill me, you know, and I don't just totally burn out. But there's something there. You're not supposed to make yourself more resilient to a system that's broken. You're supposed to feel your burnout and let that lead you to something different. You know, it's like, that's where the, if you, if you get, let yourself get quiet and stop trying to function in something that's not working, it's like, maybe that's where all the juicy ideas are about how, you know, I don't know, maybe that's where bring patients into houses or start a company that builds hospital wards on each house. Like instead of who nobody uses a living room anymore, maybe that should be the hospital room you know, and, and you have higher staff to come into your house. And so, like, I don't know, but all those things, we're not allowing wisdom and evolution to happen because we're not allowing ourselves to get quiet, quiet enough to hear it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think right on with both of what you're saying. I mean, I think about that too, in regards to, you know, the great resignation that people are talking about, or that company, people don't want to go back to the offices, you know, and companies are struggling and nurses, I, I lead a small group. And right now there's two women that work with um, nurses, coaching nurses. And you're right. I, I think what you're saying is too, we've turned resilience into backbone and stay in the course and I think what we really mean by resilience is um, it is our ability. We have a natural ability to rise to the occasion. And if you look, you will see that you have been rising to the occasion all throughout your life. You know, whether it was um, being a parent the first time, you know, whether it was um, starting a new job that you'd never done before, whether it was, um, you know, experiencing tragedy or loss. People, because we're emotional beings, they focus on, well, but it was tough. And I'm not denying that. But what we're really pointing to is look at how we come with the capacity to rise to the occasion. Now, the reason I'm putting an emphasis on that in terms of resiliency is right now for your listeners or for, you know, um, hospitals and admin rising to the occasion is we got to find a new way to do this. Like you're saying, mm. Karen, it's like, so what helps us rise to the occasion? Well, we know that that, that intelligence, that deeper intelligence that we all have, that in a more clear, free, rested body mm -hmm. and mind, we get more creative ideas. You know, when we are exhausted, burnt out, um, stressed, and everyone knows this, we don't think as well. We're, we make more mistakes. We um, leave the end of a day as if we've been, you know, pushing boulders uphill all day, you know, and it's not because of the um, physical labor, it's because of the mental and emotional labor happening inside ourselves. 
So what we want to do in cultures and businesses and in ourselves is nurture and a climate and an environment that is um, more open and free and connected to that well-being, to that okayness, to possibility and potential. And when we do that, I think we could solve anything. I'm not saying it won't take time and it may not be challenging, but we can solve it. But we got to be we got to solve the right problem to your point. You know, let's not just give people a bandaid so that they can suffer easier. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like put up no, with no, more suffering. <laughs> yeah, let's change the system. I mean, we have yeah. things happening in our world. We have mass shootings, we have climate, we have um, racism, we have uh, burnout, we have, you know, we have a lot going on. But I believe that we have within us the capacity to change and alter it. I'm not saying it will be easy, but what we're talking about today is how do we create the environment and the climate both internally and within a group or a society or a community so that we can do it. Do you, do you, do you think it starts internally? I do. I, I do. I really don't think I can show up in a sped up internal overthinking space and, and teach you anything about um, presence. You know, like, it's just like, well, I can talk could. about it. Just show them what not to do. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. But also in that clearer, more present, a wider mind, we have perspective. It's not as if we don't, we get um, blinded. We actually have more perspective and more clarity. So, yeah. So that's the piece that we want to draw from is how do we create that? And so my best when I'm working with a client, when I'm teaching, when I'm with a family member, when I'm going through my own stuff, the the greatest lever and maybe, you know, one of the main ones, only ones is to go find that place inside myself. I got to do that first. I have to because I want to show up, which is much presence and creativity and love and connection and hopefulness as I can. And so when I'm in a session or when I'm teaching or I'm with a family member or I'm by myself and I know I am tired, burnt out in a low mood or upset, I know at those, those are not, I don't want to buy what I'm selling inside myself at those times. Mm. That's a, that's even just right there. Such a simple thing to share with nurses is, is to just get eyes for that right? When I'm ruminating, stressed out, burned out, it is a call to yourself to rest or take a hot bath or get quiet, whatever, but it's a call. Yeah. And that's simple because we all have those feelings of burnout or stress or whatever, right? Like we're human. Yeah. And and I know when I'm ruminating, I know when I have a busy, crazy thinking head. And most people, when you talk of that, can, it resonates. They can relate in yeah. form or fashion, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think knowing that we can find peace within no matter what's going on without a, around us is a radical. Mm. Yeah. 
discovery, but it's so important. It doesn't mean I don't do anything. Like you said, it doesn't mean I don't take the time off or address a situation, but to know my peace is not at the mercy of circumstance. Then it allows me to look in the right direction when I need it most. Say a little bit more about that. Well, in other words, it's like we said before, all of us have had an experience when we've kept our calm amidst a storm or in a crisis when like, you know, we lost somebody yet we have moments, we feel peace and love. Like we all have those or we're with somebody who's really shook up and we're, we're able to be with them in a solid place inside ourselves. That is available. And that's when we talk about innate well-being. I like to talk about it like an innate well of being. There is this space and place within us where um, we can find a stillness, where we clarity comes from, where resiliency comes from. So it doesn't mean I have to worry about being peaceful and Zen all the time. That's impossible right? Or is for me. So, so, but it's knowing that when things on are on the outside are chaotic, knowing I want to look within, do whatever occurs to me in that moment to just find my center, to find home base, to nurture myself. And sometimes what will come through to me is exactly what you said, go take a bath, go for a walk, walk out of the room, don't hit the send button, you know, but it's like, we're, we're putting ourselves, like, in other words, we're looking in the place that is going to be the most beneficial to us because in that direction is perspective, is um, clarity, is creativity, is love, is connection. So, It is, this is why though we said, you got to go on your journey with this. These are words the three of us are using to describe it. But when people get their own feeling for that inside themselves, they'll have their own language. That'll be way more meaningful. Yeah. Antra and I have been trying to come up with a different word than journey. We just can't stand that word. I mean, just like, tell me about your health journey, my life journey. (laughs) that's why we made up freel because we thought authenticity was so unauthentic <laughs> um this is a self-help question for me because i okay. need help for myself you're saying something it's kind of non sequitur but great go for it yeah but it's kind of like that's what it's about yeah, yeah. swirling yeah. tendencies like i've gone to a place where i'm okay allowing the wind to blow and i would say in the last couple of years, I have such powerful, creative. I mean, Andre Simeon, I'm like, oh my gosh, like so many of those things. And it's like a fire hose is attached to the back of my skull and I just can't, you know, it's coming through the scroll. I mean, so many. And I get a great idea or a great inspiration or a really fun thing. And then, and then you, you brought up that word discipline. I feel so undisciplined. Like, why am I not? The wind took the sail and it gave me this great idea. And where's the wind? <laughs> and then I just feel like a big flake because I don't follow up or I don't do anything with it. You know, or it's like, it's like there's some gas in the tank and I floor it and then I run out of gas and then I feel like I'm a total undisciplined flake. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I, I can relate to those comments. Um, <laughs> I love that question because I, I think it points to this idea that we've sort of collapsed that every good idea should be followed through or because we feel enthusiasm and inspired. It means it's a yes now, you know, like we, we sort of have made up the idea that a really something really good means it's meant to be in life and it's meant to be in life soon today and yet what I've come to appreciate is some ideas are just I, an idea before its time has come, right? Some moments of inspiration are there to just give us the feeling of awakeness. They're just, you know, like it's just a good feeling. And in that good feeling, um, that's serving us regardless of the outcome. And again, coming back to conditioning, it is a totally conditioned idea that everything needs to be result in a thing out in the world, you know, versus that, have you ever just allowed yourself to hang out in the potential of something versus planning on how you're going to do it? Like our mind goes right to, okay, now how are we going to do it? What's it going to be? And what's the goals? And, <laughs> that, right? That's my, I've gotten, I've gotten to, that's what I'm, I'm beating myself up because I've gotten too good at that. Yeah. I'll exactly. just sit. It's like, I try to thingify it, like, like hook me up to, you know, like the matrix and like cords and stuff where I could just. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. Right. Like yeah. that could be my job. <laughs> just, yeah. But it's funny because sometimes if we allowed ourselves to hang out more in the potential of something, new things would even come. Mm. But our minds just get ahead of ourselves. And then we start to judge ourselves because we're not making it happen. But so I want to say there is the momentum of our minds and then there's the momentum of life. And I just always thought my mind was right, you know, like, so versus listening and dropping in and following the natural momentum of something versus the momentum of my mind. So is there a thing called discipline then? Like what, what is that? Yeah. So I love this because especially working with um, entrepreneurs, business people, there's this idea of grit, right? And people love grit and grit is even like now in some cultures as we love grit. Grit is good, right? And discipline is good. And like, logically, it's like, yeah, like, you know, like you could see discipline, like, yeah, I get where that would be helpful <laughs> if you want to do something. But what I would say is discipline, grit, even push um, are all temporary experiences, you know, they move through us. They're an internal experience. They're energy moving through. So yes, at times as I'm doing my thing, I have an experience of discipline. Other times I have an experience of grit and I'm grateful for it because I'm working on something, right? But other times I have an experience of, I got nothing and no amount of self-talk is making me move, right? You know, it's like, all of those are experiences, but they are not the source 
of doing well. They are not the source of creativity. They are not the source of life. They are not the source of ideas. They are not the source of who we are. They are experiences. So yes, at times I have an experience of discipline. I have an experience of no discipline. Other times I have an experience of insecurity. Then I have an experience of I'm not on my mind at all. I Other times I have an experience of grit and toughness. You know, I did a hike last summer in Ecuador that was hike is, I don't know who labeled it that, but I need to talk to him about it. It was like, you know, ropes and muds and trees and rivers and, you know, and what was fascinating was it's a journey. It was a journey. Yes. To use that. It was a journey, but what was fascinating was it was hard, but I loved every single moment of it. And there was not one time, like when I got down, I was so excited about this hike, but not because of my mental power to stick with it. I Not once did I even have to do that. You know, there were a couple of times I was like, hmm, not sure I'm going to make it over this little thing. <laughs> but do you see like, for whatever reason during that hike, mental grit, toughness, push wasn't even a part of the equation. Mm. Right. So it's just an example. But you had of- plenty of it. I, I mean, did exactly the, out to the outside observer. Yes, say, man, that's, that's right. Grit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Wow, it's it's like goals. Like, why have goals? Why try to have grit? It'll be yeah. there when you need it. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Exactly. You just oh turn up. What if you could trust that? <laughs> what? What if you could trust that? Yeah, exactly. Well, then we've come full circle. That's what Barb's kind of like. <laughs> I don't trust Barb. I don't trust life. <laughs> exactly. No, it's really true. That's true. It's like, that's it. It's like, what if we could trust we'll have what we need in the moment we need it? And if what we want to do is sleep, can we trust that? If I don't want to push myself, could I trust that? See, people think oh, I should be pushing myself. And then they get all worried about being lazy and not disciplined rather than going, no, no. What if wisdom in the moment is take a break? What if wisdom in the moment is, yeah, stop. I mean, you know, think of all the times we've, we've pushed ourselves through something and went, oh, God, I wish I would have taken a moment and slowed down. I wouldn't have done that, right? You know, so this idea that there there really is no formula is maybe another way to say it. We treat discipline, grit, effort, hard work as like a formula for success. There is no formula because sometimes the most successful thing you could do is be quiet before you speak, right? But sometimes the most important thing you could do is um, walk away from a conversation or something you've been ruminating about. And other times you're going to stay the course in that conversation. You're going to ride out the uncomfortableness, right? There is no one way. That just is like relief. Like I bet any nurse listening to this, like if they see even a fraction of what we've been talking about, it just feels like relief. Like what if you could just trust that in the moment, you're exactly yeah. where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Or I hear what you're saying and I feel the relief it would bring, but how? I know. 
trust back to trust. Yeah. Yeah. It's serious. Yeah. Can I trust? Can I trust myself? Can I trust the part of me that wants to slow down? The, you know, is this what you're kind of like the direction that you're, that you've been moved into, I would say rather like, what's your, what's your dealio look like now? Which, what's your business? What do you do with this? Yeah, I would say that, um, more and more I'm unapologetic regardless of setting, whether it's business, you know, or, Mm -hmm. or not pointing people to this essential nature, you know, that they have something going for them that they may not realize. And I really haven't met one person that when we talk about it, like we're doing today, doesn't say, okay, I know what you're saying, but they're more like me and hadn't really thought much more about it or developed more of an understanding or a felt experiential knowing of that inside of them. And yet, so, you know, but when people wake up to that more and more, you know, I, I, I think a good example is I did a, I did a podcast, as you guys know, and I think it was like 140 interviews. And at the sort of hundred mark, you do the, what have I learned in a hundred interviews kind of thing. Right. And, um, and so I was kind of reflecting back and I picked like three themes, but you know what the number one theme was that I would literally hear from executives, um, CEOs of large global organizations, serial entrepreneurs, nurses, um, mid-level managers, parents, you know what the number one thing I would hear is, I know I'm okay no matter what. Hmm. That knowing, their own knowingness of it, not their belief in it, not a concept, but their knowing of it gave them so much more freedom to live their life, to navigate the tough times, to make big decisions, maybe life-changing decisions to try new things in their businesses, but to not be walking around in a level of fear or overthinking um, that somehow they could lose it all or screw it up. Hmm. So that conversation more and more, I think there's a readiness for it. I think there's no more important time for it. So yes, do I still help people understand the role that internal climate and state of mind and their thinking is having? Yes, because when we get a different relationship to thought, we naturally are more spacious inside and we naturally begin to fall into that innate well of being. We fall into that inner stillness. And so it's people are like, oh yeah, like, man, you know what? I just talked to a woman right before that she said, you know, I, I was around my sister-in-law and it's always been a place of contention. And she said, and about, you know, we were reacquainted, we're working together again. We haven't worked together in about a year or so. And she said, but the insight I had when we were working together before, I remember sitting with her and being like, oh, she's, that's just Oh, she's just sped up. And she said, I just saw her with so much clarity. 
that I no longer, she said, I don't know, from that moment on, I have never taken her moods personally. And it has, you know, their relationship is different. Now, again, that happened because, first of all, she had to see her own revved upness, her own busy-minded, her habit of mind, right? But then in that spaciousness, that insight didn't come when she and I were talking, right? That insight came when she was just out in her life because she had more of that spaciousness. And she had started to get more curious about that deeper nature we all have within. Mm. Yeah. And she could see it underneath. Yeah. Her sister-in-law's. Yeah. That that little, that little insight alone, not taking somebody's, you know, moods or their, their overthinking personally would change so much in their culture. (laughs) I mean, in business in general. Yeah. No, everywhere. Yeah. But for like that alone, just that one thing, that one insight. Yeah. I mean, if I could go back to the bedside, because I quit about six years ago, I think I'd be a total, I'd have a totally different relationship to my job because I don't think I'd be taking really anything that's that personally. Yeah. But I didn't know that before. And it all looked like it was coming from out there. Yeah. Oh, I love that example because it's so like huge but so little you know what I mean like just that one thing yeah made a huge difference absolutely yeah Yeah. I think I'm gonna be calling Barb um (laughs) 911 uh what are you so are what are you doing now how can people how can people get some of your juju yeah well first of all um the the energy did return so i am you know sharing more again doing some more videos and blogs and people can go to barbarapatterson.com to see those or follow me on instagram and linkedin but um i'm also in the process of building a platform where you know i my heart's desire is to create a global community of people that are looking in this direction and finding the inner freedom, and then as a result, helping create freedom and, you know, more love and understanding around the globe and in business, you know, to put humanity back at the forefront of business and our cultures, whether that's community or inside of an organization. I love that. It's like building the infrastructure to live this way. So you're not constantly battling what are they like? Even what you were saying before about, you know, when I was worrying about my squirrel and that's undisciplined and stuff like that, it's like I spit out an idea and then you're implementing it with other people, but the wind has gone out of the sails. Yeah. And so you're thinking you're with other people, but if you're working amongst, you know, yeah. group, or even just living amongst, I just want to start a cult basically. <laughs> a a squirrel commune that all squirrels are accepted (laughs) that's funny you know there's some random thought coming in but there's some guy on um i just saw a clip of it like i think on tiktok or something but he apparently has made pets with his squirrels in his yard and now people from all over the world are sending the squirrels gifts so you might be onto something is my point (laughs) great idea Okay, so barbarapatterson.com for yeah. what you're up to, and then they can find you on LinkedIn and where else? 
Uh, Instagram. And That's where I'm sharing most of the free content and videos and stuff like that. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like some, something happened to me, Barbara, I feel like I need to nap now. <laughs> <laughs> you gave me a peaceful, easy feeling. Ooh. Yeah, it was such a good podcast. And I am so excited to share this with nurse, other nurses. Yeah. So yeah. Again. Well, I love what you two are up to. I love you both individually and your spirits and your heart, but love that, you know, your whole mission and just believe in it. And so grateful to have an opportunity to hang with you today. Yeah. So awesome. Don't hang up. You know, this is the part where we say we do the fake goodbye. Bye. Thanks, Barb. Bye. Renegades.